Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Olivier Maris. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer, and I'm going to start off today with the markets wrap. In the US, equity indices fluctuated throughout the day, with the S&P 500 and tech-heavy Nasdaq both ending near session lows. Out of the S&P's 11 sectors, only energy posted a positive return. U.S. two-year yields jumped 11 basis points, and 10-year yields gained 7 basis points. In Europe, equities ended lower as well, with Eurostox 50 closing at minus 0.4%. Now, yesterday's shaky trading session comes as five Federal Reserve officials delivered hawkish comments during the course of the day. While we saw a two-day rally beginning this week on hopes of a pivot or U-turn from the Federal Reserve's tightening path, these hopes have now in large part been squashed. Notable hawkish remarks were, for example, Chicago Fed President Charles Evans saying that the benchmark rate will probably be at 4.5 to 4.75% by next spring. Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester said to the Council for Economic Education, we have to bring interest rates up to a level that will get inflation on that 2% path. Bear in mind, inflation is still growing above 8% year-on-year, according to the latest print. As such, the drumbeat of hawkish comments from Federal Reserve officials kept stocks on the back foot. Now, in other news, Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng discussed with heads of major UK banks on ways to ease the cost of living crisis, including giving more time for energy and council tax payments. The meeting came after the banks pulled more than 40% of mortgage products from the market, following the Chancellor's so-called mini-budget on September 23rd. Since then, the cost of a five-year mortgage has reached 6% for the first time in more than a decade, while the two-year rate is at its highest in almost 14 years. Now, briefly turning to currencies, the Japanese yen weakened against the dollar towards levels that triggered direct market intervention last month at 145. As such, it is spurring fears of further intervention from authorities. The dollar strengthened versus the euro, trading away from parity, and the GBP US dollar edged higher but remains under 1.12. We'll hear more on the foreign exchange markets from Tim later. Now turning to commodities, oil is heading for the first biggest weekly gain since early March, as OPEC Plus put the market on course for further tightening ahead of winter. Brent oil futures topped 95 US dollars a barrel. Gold fell yesterday, yet it is still up just shy of 3% for the week. And in the crypto world, Bitcoin is trading around 20,000 US dollars. So what can we expect for the last trading day of the week? While S&P and Nasdaq futures are both marginally softer ahead of the U.S. jobs report, which is expected to show employers added another 255,000 workers in September. In Europe, further futures also point to a lower open, with Norway GDP and Italy retail sales as expected data. And finally, in Asia, shares are trading in the red across the board. This comes as traders are digesting disappointing earnings from chipmaker Samsung Electronics, that may foreshadow a wider decline in corporate profits. That's all for the markets wrap. I'll now hand over to Tim Gagey, head of FX and PM Solutions Geneva, for his latest insights on the markets. Over to you, Tim. Thank you, Olivier, and good morning. Well, after the frenzied chaos of last week, this week has been a little bit more orderly. Indeed, October has so far not quite hit the giddy heights of September, but there is plenty of road ahead. We have spent a lot of time this week here discussing whether we are at a turning point in the dollar. And with the sort of timing that you can really only learn from 15 years in the markets, 
I sent out a note on Wednesday morning proposing to start shorting the dollar versus euros and sterling at the absolute literal top of the week in both crosses. Short term, my timing was indeed awful, but I still do genuinely believe that it is time to start hedging and putting dollar cash to work a bit more aggressively. It is a longer term view and we may have to suffer some more downside in the meantime, but I personally stand by this outlook. Today, we have non-farm payrolls. Forecast to come in at 255,000 new jobs added. My feeling is that next week's US CPI data is more important, but a very strong or very weak NFP number may well impact the dollar into the end of the week. One aspect that is reinforcing my view on the dollar is the better performance of metals and particularly silver. The ratio of gold against silver is the lowest it has been since early May, and this ratio dropping usually suggests all metals should strengthen. That is to say, when silver outperforms gold, generally speaking, all metals do well. It is hard for me to see this scenario happening with anything other than a weaker dollar. I would also be quite happy to look at some exposure to Aussie dollar and maybe Canadian dollar and Norwegian kroner as well, particularly in the light of upward pressure on oil following the OPEC cuts, as we heard. Otherwise, it is a short one from me today because for once, I do not have all that much to say. Thank you for listening. Happy Friday and back to you, Olivier. Thank you very much, Tim. I'm now pleased to hand over to Carson Menke, head of Next Generation Research, for an update on digital assets. Thank you very much, Olivier, and good morning. So today I want to touch upon a topic which has always been an area of intense debates, which is the adoption of cryptos for retail payments. Where does this come from? Well, it's based on the initial ambition of crypto to become a better form of money. That's why we started calling cryptos currencies in the first place. So a recent study from Deloitte in collaboration with PayPal has revived that debate as it showed that an astounding 75% of US-based retailers said they plan to accept stable coins or other crypto coins within the next two years. First and foremost, we believe this is way too high. Second, if there is any kind of adoption, we expect a general preference for stable coins due to their much lower volatility. This would, however, basically mean that these retailers would accept the US dollar, given that the world's largest stable coins are backed by it. In related news, Bitcoin Magazine this week posted a video showing the purchase of a McDonald's burger with Bitcoin here in Switzerland in Lugano. A purchase with the Tether stablecoin would have been also possible. Earlier this year, the city of Lugano has launched its so-called Plan B together with Tether, striving to foster adoption and development of Bitcoin and blockchain technology more generally in the city. Allowing the citizens, for example, to use crypto, including Lugano's own LVGA payment token in their daily lives. Also encompassing startup hub and university programs, Lugano is positioning itself as a major blockchain hub. While we appreciate the city's ambition and also vision, we remain very much convinced that payments will not become the primary application of cryptos. Our established payment systems are safe and scalable, even though they could be cheaper and faster. But to achieve that, crypto is not needed. Also considering the currency monopoly of the state and the central bank's independence, we do not believe in the growth of private crypto money, at least not in countries with credible, stable, and independent institutions. The appeal of cryptos as a store of value in developing countries that suffer from structurally high inflation and structurally unstable institutions is of course much higher. 
Where see we the benefit of cryptos or rather blockchain technology is in decentralized infrastructure and decentralized finance, DeFi. In our view, these platforms and protocols such as Ethereum could become a new generation of productive assets comparable to equities. In contrast to that, Bitcoin should remain more of an unproductive asset, which would, however, increase its future diversification benefits comparably to gold or cash. That's all from my side. Many thanks, Carson. Now that concludes today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you for tuning in. We do hope that you join us again soon. Goodbye. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Baer experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.